Welcome to Conversations with Big Rich. This is an interview style podcast. These interviewed are all involved in the off-road industry. Being involved like all of my guests are is a lifestyle, not just a job. I talk to past, present, and future legends, as well as business owners, employees, media, and land use warriors, men and women who have found their way into this exciting and addictive lifestyle we call off-road. We discuss their personal history, struggles, successes, and reboots. We dive into what drives them to stay active in off-road. We all hope to shed some light on how to find a path into this world that we live and love and call off-road. Whether you're crawling the Red Rocks of Moab or hauling your toys to the trail, Maxxis has the tires you can trust for performance and durability. Four wheels or two. Maxxis tires are the choice of champions because they know that whether for work or play, for fun or competition, Maxxis tires deliver. Choose Maxxis. Dread victoriously. Have you seen Four Low Magazine yet? Four Low Magazine is a high-quality, well-written, four-wheel drive-focused magazine for the enthusiast market. If you still love the idea of a printed magazine, something to save and read at any time, Four Low is the magazine for you. Four Low cannot be found in stores, but you can have it delivered to your home or place of business. Visit fourlowmagazine.com to order your subscription today. On today's episode of Conversations with Big Rich, I get to talk to an old friend, Matt Westrich. Matt, or as he is known in the 4x4 industry, Big Sarge, has been an announcer for various rock crawling events, along with other types of events. We'll get into that. He has been involved with Red Rock Four Wheelers, Utah 4x4 Association, been a board member of Blue Ribbon Coalition, all sorts of different things on land use. So I want to say, Matt, thank you so much for coming on and spending some time and talking about your history. Well, thanks, Rich. I appreciate uh, you reaching out to me and inviting me on the show today. Yeah. Let's get started where I get started with everybody. And uh, where were you born and raised? I was born and raised in St. Louis County back in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, wow. Okay. I, in fact, (laughs) couldn't probably spell Jeep or truck until I was, until I went in the army in 1979. Okay. I, I didn't know anybody with a truck. My one buddy in high school had a 53 Chevy uh, five window. That was a POS. In fact, if you took a turn too hard, we had it. It was all you could do to stop it. And you had to move the cab back off the brake pedal. <laughs> yeah, that Midwest rust. <laughs> that Midwest rust. And it is still to this day in pieces in his garage in St. Charles, Missouri. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so you were there through high school then all the way until you went into the service yep all the way till the time i went in the service and my first tour of duty was in hawaii and i got my hands on my first four by four it was a actually a six by six truck and i thought hey this is kind of fun bouncing through the lava fields and about a four by four four by four wagoneer that was a rusted pos fixed it up and sold it and then we left hawaii Okay. So let's let's backtrack a little bit to those early days um there in Missouri. Your uh you said St. Charles was your was the town? Uh St. St. Louis was St. Louis was where I was born and raised, St. Okay. Louis County. Okay. On the north side. All right, north side. And uh what was uh 
what were, what were your interests back then? Say as a young kid, were you in scouting or anything like that? I wasn't. I was in the Boy Scout, the Cub Scouts, the Weeblows, the Boy Scouts. Okay. Uh, was a scout master over in Europe for the for the Army. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, so uh, I, I've done some good stuff with the scouting and uh, went to work for uh, a company my dad was uh, an executive for called Brown Shoe Company back in uh, St. Louis and uh, worked at a few shoe stores and decided that uh, stinky feet was uh, not a life for me. And I went down the street and saw the army recruiter. So, so you didn't want to become an Al Bundy. No, I was Al Bundy. Bundy, (laughs) Bundy's modeled after me. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you all those. In fact, I worked for a while in a woman's shoe store, the same as Al Bundy. Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) So in, uh, in school, um, what kind of student were you? Good, indifferent. Uh, I got out of there. Let's put it that way. Okay, <laughs> but but I didn't make it up later in life uh, through the VA. I got uh, two degrees. I have a bachelor of science in business and a bachelor of science in uh, computer information systems. Excellent, most excellent. So yeah, what I, were the... I, got, I got through high school on it by the skin of my teeth. Okay, <laughs> I was to say. So what were what were your interests then back then besides you know some of the scouting you did? Did you play sports or was it just all girls? No, it was it was uh, mostly girls. Yeah. Uh, band, choir, and church were great ways to meet girls. <laughs> yes, I guess so. I, I I went a different route. I didn't hit uh, I didn't hit any three of those. Oh. Did you? <laughs> I, you played sports. I played sports and uh, and cars. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, cars. I I didn't uh, I didn't learn to I didn't learn to start wrenching on cars. Well, I was probably about seventeen when I started wrenching on my own cars. I started taking classes at the community college in that. Okay. And it it really came in handy when I was stationed in Hawaii, and I was a buck private, and you know you were lucky back then if you had. Uh, you know, two dimes to rub together, let alone two quarters. And uh, so anything that went wrong in my car, I had to fix it myself back then. I couldn't afford to take it to a Hawaiian mechanic. Right. And so um, what year did you graduate from high school? 1979. 79. Okay. So 79, you're working um, as a shoe salesman. um, And then so that... uh, so that you could afford, you know, just life, I guess. And then you decided you had to get into the military, right? That was the next, the next step. I, I decided I wanted to get, I wanted to get out of St. Louis. Uh, you know, it was a, it was a nice place. All my family was there and everything, but I just didn't see me going anywhere, doing anything. And so I decided that, uh, you know, let's join the military and see the world. And I did 15 years. Okay. Well, 15. All right. And uh, where was where was your first, you know, where did you get stationed first? Well, my first duty station, I was assigned, my first permanent party. I went to uh, uh, two military schools before I was sent to Hawaii. Uh, and uh, the second one was uh, Air Force Firefighter School. So my first tour of duty, I went to Hawaii, where I met my beautiful wife, Christine. And, uh, and, uh started having kids and stuff like that. And we decided we didn't want to stay in Hawaii. So we transferred out. I became a communications tech component level. 
and uh, went to Georgia for a while, and then up to they sent me to Fort Knox for my next duty station. Spent about a year and a half there, and they sent me where I where I drove checkered cabs part time. <laughs> really, I drove the last of the checkered cabs. Yep, that's, and uh, that's pretty. Cool. Then they sent me to Germany. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of cool. I mean, I would love to have, I would love to find myself an old checker and restore it. Right. Except there were such rust bombs. Oh, I would imagine. Yeah. And uh, I sent me to Germany. I, I did two back-to-back tours over there. And then they sent me to eat. They wanted to send me uh, to Washington, D.C. to work. And I said, hell no, I don't want to raise two kids in Washington, D.C. I said, thank you for the interview. I appreciate it very much, but no. And uh, then they uh, said, okay, we're going to send you to Utah. And I was like, Utah? What the heck is in Utah? And there was a signal battalion here in utah and they sent me to it and it was an absolutely wonderful place and i've been here for 34 years nice never never in your wildest imagination thinking that you would end up in utah never never what did you know about utah before moving before going there couldn't (laughs) even spell it there you go (laughs) i don't think i could have spelled it where's utah i don't know if i could have found it on a map Oh Lord! So, the um, let l- let me let me backtrack a little bit. What what did what kind of stuff did your family do when you were growing up for vacations or anything like that? Just you know, was it? Did you guys go camping at all or anything? No, my my dad was an executive for a shoe company. He was an absolute wonderful father, but when it came to camping, he was a city boy. He was raised in in St. Louis city during the depression. Okay. And so him and my mom and my mom was raised in the same way. Uh, you know, my father was, my grandfather was a, uh, was a uh, taxi driver, uh, bus driver, limousine driver. And, uh, and my mom and my grandmother worked for the telephone company. And then my mom's mom, uh, was divorced and she worked for the telephone company. And that's how my mom and dad got together was, uh, through the two working at the telephone company. Back when people introduced each other's kids to each other and they ended up getting married. Right. I don't have a number. No. And uh, anyway, uh, neither one of them were, were into that in any way, shape, or form. Now, they did like a nice vacation. We went to, like, we went to uh, Aspen, Colorado one year. We, we, we traveled. And uh, we went to Norfolk, Virginia, where my father was stationed when he was in the Navy during Korea. Uh, so, you know, we, 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 we vacationed like that. Camping was just not a thing. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what, the army changed me on that. I, I got to camp a lot in the army. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here's, here's your clothes and here's a tent to match. <laughs> and here's, here's a sleeping bag. Have a nice day. <laughs> so then, yeah. uh, when you're in Hawaii, what was, uh, what was that like being, going from, from St. Louis and then finding yourself in Hawaii. I mean, St. Louis is a very diverse area. And so going to Hawaii, it was a little different for me, but it was, and it was very diverse and, uh, I enjoyed it. I, I got to out and met local people. I had some locals that I worked with and they introduced me to more local people and, you know, half the islands, you know, related to the other half of the island. So, you know, once you got in good with locals, you know, it was it was a you know an easy you know an easy life on on my days off as a fireman. I only worked every other day, so I went to college 
on my days off and uh, and worked on cars a little bit in my garage. Okay, and you were stationed on the Big Island? I was stationed on the Big Island at a place called Bahakaloa, not to be confused with Bahakalolo. Well, yeah, not, absolutely no confusion there whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what was you, what's your favorite Hawaiian meal? Loco Moco? Oh, just about anything cooked in teriyaki. Okay. Um, before I met my wife, I uh, I knew a couple of uh, local girls, and e- either you ate what they fixed you or you starved. And as a, as a private, I ate what they put in front of me. So I, I, lear- I learned to love sashimi and sushi and ahi tuna uh, and uh, all kinds of uh, rice, rice, and more rice. And, and then when you got tired of the rice, you got noodle. So that that's a real big change from what you were probably eating, uh, what you grew up on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, fried chicken, pork steaks, you know, stuff like that. You know, man, yeah, you just went to the corner. And, and way back then, it was a lot different. Like, it, for those of you who've been over there now, uh, like, if you've gone to Kona, <laughs> Kona was nothing really. And and uh, Hilo was, you know, not near as, as big as it, as it is. And they didn't have a mall. They, we didn't even have a Walmart on the island back in the day. There was no, there was like a five, five and dime store. That was that was it for finding things cheap. Wow. Yeah, it's I different know. now. <laughs> yep, you got Walmart, and you got the malls, and you got AT and T, and you got you got pretty much almost everything you want. Um, it can it can take a while sometimes to get some things. Like my family's still over there, and uh, recently I was uh, ten weeks out and five thousand dollars to be installed for the cheapest garage door I could get. Wow! So if you it's it's a beautiful place to visit. It's a beautiful place to live. But the prices can sometimes just drive you a little bit nuts. Yeah. We went, you know, for a vacation over there. And yep. uh, it was, it's too small. The, that's called that's called rock fever. Okay. Because I definitely got it. I mean, drove, I think, within the first three days on the Big Island, I'd driven every single paved road and probably a lot of the unpaved roads um, like twice. Yeah, it, it's it's, and it used to be more dangerous. Like if you went up over the saddle, up to where I used to work at. Right. I worked at about the twenty-eight, twenty-nine mile marker, going up the mountain. It's at sixty-five hundred feet. Right. And it was a, uh, it was a two-lane road that was so bad that back in the day rental car agreements had that you would not drive on that road. <laughs> and now it's beautiful. I mean, it's just step over them and you go right past where I used to work at. Yeah. I, I'm sure I've been by it a number of times. Yep. And, uh, Oh, by the way, thanks for introducing me to Sean over there. He's a wonderful guy. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yes. The, the four wheel drive club over there, the, everybody there on the big Island is just super nice. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and I got uh, lots of lots of good people over there. Yeah. So then, you were in Germany. What what area of Germany were you in? What town? What, where were you stationed in Germany? I was at a place called Ayers Kasern, which no longer exists. 
Uh, it was a Luftwaffe airfield during World War II. Okay. And then uh, after World War II, it was taken over by the uh, military. And at the time I was there, it was 3rd Armored Division Forward, uh, which was Patton's old uh, division. You said it was uh, one of Patton's old divisions? Yeah, it was one of, uh, it was, in fact, it was the division that Patton was in charge of when he passed away when he got killed over in uh, Germany. Right, when when the Army decided that they they didn't need him anymore. <laughs> could, could very well be. <laughs> It very I, I well think, be. I think that's one of those conspiracy theories that's uh, <laughs> that's not a theory. Wouldn't be the first time something like that happened. Uh, you know, he he just wanted to march right on to Moscow, and and uh, the powers that be was like, oh, we don't want to open up that hornet's nest. <laughs> uh, I think Churchill would have been behind that one too, but I don't know. yeah, that's a different story. Anyway, yep, that's for the the conspiracy theorists. But- Podcast. I loved it over there. Loved it over there. Oh my gosh. Um, I had the opportunity to be a bus driver. So I was a bus driver over there as part of my additional duties. And uh, I would take people on tours to crystal factories and parts of Germany for a three day weekend or something like that. We'd go places, uh, do things, morale uh, under the uh, morale support people. And uh, it was it was a great great. Time. I left there kicking and screaming. I did. Uh, my wife worked for the government. I worked for the government. My well, I was in the army, and uh, you know my kids had good schools. I I lived right down the street from the schools, and it was wonderful. I left there three months prior to Desert Storm. I'm sorry, Desert Shield, and my commander got so tired of me asking to go for him to send me back to my old unit in Germany that he finally gave me a lawful order and told me, don't ever ask him again. Wow. (laughs) Well, I spent six years in the same combat forward support unit. Nobody to this day does that, but they offered me extra money and said, Hey, look, we'll pay you $200 a month to stay for another three years. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I could get some really sucky unit in the States. I know this unit. That's not that bad. Why not stay? So we decided to stay. Yep, I, I loved being over in Germany. I loved, uh, I did two tours over there with my family for six years. Uh, my two V8 over in Germany that I had gotten from a kid who shipped a car with a bad engine and I traded him out of that. I gave him an old Mazda I had for him and his family to get around and I took his non-running Ford pickup and my f- mom was and dad were coming over from the stateside and uh, they put an entire rebuild kit in one of the suitcases for me. Wow. <laughs> That's back when we had great auto craft shops in the military. <laughs> and and you dropped out there when you told me what kind of car it was. What was it? It was a it was a Ford pickup truck with a 302 V8. Okay. Kind of a rare duck over in Germany. Awesome. I was actually conceived in Germany. My parents were my my dad was stationed there. My mom chased him over there and got married. They got married in Germany the first time. And then when they got back to the States, they got married again. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I've got, uh, I've got some Germany in me. Um, but, uh, only because that's where I was conceived. <laughs> <laughs> so schnitzel and some good beer. Yep. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so then, um, after Germany, you came back to the States. After, after Germany, I came here to Utah. Right. 
And I was stationed with the 1119th and the 1120th Signal Battalions here in Ogden, Utah, on the old Defense Depot Ogden. And that no longer exists. And uh, had a, and I joined a club here in Ogden, Utah. I met him at a, at a park one day uh, for Roy Days. It's a, I live in the city of Roy, and they have this big... They have a big shindig every year. And I met these four-wheelers at the park. They had a teeter-totter set up. And I'm like, this is some crazy stuff. And I had bought a Ram Charger while I was in Germany. It was a 1988, bought a brand spanking new from the PX at Rhine Main Air Base. First thing I did was drove it on vacation to Italy with my family. Nice. And I literally drove it into the Mediterranean Sea outside of Livorno, Pisa. On purpose? On purpose, just okay. so I could say I did it. I just, I just drove it in enough to get the tires wet. Okay. Okay. That wasn't, that wasn't, you know, Bahana through the town. I just got, went down the beach and came back off. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, let's see somebody else say they did that. So <laughs> I peed in the Mississippi once. <laughs> oh, great. What, what, what year? Oh, no. This was, uh, this was probably only about eight, nine years ago. Okay, about five years ago, I put my mom and dad's ashes in there. So, okay, we're good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was already out in the Gulf. <laughs> okay, you're you're you had, you didn't want your pee on my mom and dad's ashes. <laughs> and the dogs, and the dogs, and the dogs. Yeah. So, so you, me and my brother thought this... we were going to go to jail for that one, but anyway. <laughs> so the Ram Charger, you brought it back from Germany, and you brought had it back it there from Germany. Drove it out here to Utah. And joined the four-wheel drive club called the Bighorn Four-Wheel Drive Club and uh, met some wonderful people. And through the Bighorn, uh, I got involved with other organizations. I was put on the board of the Utah Four-Wheel Drive Association, where I've sat for 33 years, uh, and the uh, and helped other clubs here in, in the state of Utah get started. I helped uh, Upland get started in southern Utah. Of course, I've... Uh, I've worked wonderfully and enjoyed my time with uh, uh, Trail Hero. Have you ever heard of the Trail Hero? Mm, yeah, it's oh, some yeah, small okay. event in Southern Utah. Yeah. I heard about it. Yeah, yeah. it's it's some some great people putting that on down there. Um, <laughs> well, and of course, I don't know. that could be debated. <laughs> <laughs> I heard their parents were cool though. Anyway, yes. <laughs> and. Uh, uh, you know, I've worked with the uh, uh, Red Rock Four Wheelers for years. Uh, gosh, probably twenty years with them. Uh, and then with the Bighorn, we used to put on events here in Utah. We used to put on uh, mud bogs out at Antelope Island, and then uh, we started putting on mud bogs and uh, demolition derbies and uh, good fun stuff like that. And I got into announcing those. Uh, here because nobody else in the club wanted to pick up a microphone and they didn't want to hire, they didn't want to hire anybody. I said, well, I'll, I'll give it a try. What the heck? And that's how I became the big Sarge. Cause I was still active duty back then, uh, on the microphone. And, uh, I've announced mud bogs, tractor pulls. I, I worked with uh, United truck and tractor pulling for a while as an announcer for them. Uh, so I've, I've had, uh, I've worked with you rock. And then, of course, I worked with you at We Rock. Yep. And then uh, Ultra Four, you know, I've done some for, for them. So I've had a, a wonderful time announcing wonderful events uh, throughout the West. And what were those early? Let's let's 
let's jump into the the rock crawling part. Um, what were those early days at U Rock? Like, what was it? What was the <laughs> say the first event you went to to announce? Oh my! Oh, have tell I got me a some story stories there. about that. Have I got a story there? First event, Craig Craig Stump brings me in for head of security. Hmm. Yeah, let's bring an old army sergeant in. For, let's bring a young, at the time, a young army sergeant in as head of security for an event. First thing in the morning, the throttle stuck on a rig. And this was before we started using, way before we started using those, the barriers and everything. Right. The Jersey barriers. And the throttle stuck wide open on a vehicle and went straight into the crowd. And ran over several people, and I get the call on the radio. Me and Craig, we're, we're booking it. Yes, there was a time in my life where I could book it and I could run. <laughs> Mine too. And, and we get over there, and just I just did what the Sarge does. I just went Sarge. And I'm barking out orders, and I'm you know calling for medics, and I'm calling for an ambulance, and I'm doing all this stuff. And I'm standing right in the middle of it. I'm making people get back. I'm like, I want crowd control here. Everybody get back. I want these people working on it. I mean, I was just, boom, doing what needed to be done. And uh, it, it was sad. I had to do that. But, you know, anyway, so the next night at, and I, I really didn't pay attention to who it was. I had p- paid attention to what needed to be done. Right. And I didn't notice who it was who, who had gotten injured. So the next night, one of the girls who had been injured, her sister was still in the hospital. Uh, she was there. I, I want to think this was part of the uh, Captain Flandro crew back in the day. And uh, so I want, and she comes up to me at the award ceremony that night uh, down there by, uh, oh, well, I, I can say it's by the Cracker Barrel, that big auditorium behind there where they do the dinosaur stuff. And uh, she comes up to me and says, Sarge. And I said, what happened to you? And she says, well, I was one of them that got run over. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. And she says, yeah, but I knew I'd be okay. I heard you standing over me. I heard you barking out orders. I knew I'd be okay. (laughs) Wow. So, and and I think it was the same event. The Browns were above me on a course. I had my back. No, I, I was an announcer, so I don't think it was that event. A later event, I was out there. It was, and both of these were in St. George back in the day when we were on the uh, southwest side of St. George. Yeah, where, where Snow Canyon is at now. Right, right. That's now all houses. Right. And uh, uh, I had my back. I had my microphone. I had my back, and Craig was standing next to me. And me and Craig are talking back and forth, and Craig goes to push me. Well, that skinny little guy is not going to push me. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he looks up, he points up. And as I'm looking, here comes one of the Browns in the buggy in air, rolling off the obstacle right onto us. And I think that might've been the fastest I ever moved in my life. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I call that fun times. Anything to get my heart going. Right. Um, and, you know, it was just, it was great, you know, back before everything got so, all the events, back before everything got so corporate, insurance and lawyers and everything else. I mean. Where we were just yeah. rednecks on the rocks. 
Yeah, we were just rednecks on the rocks, having a good time. You know, what, what was it? One saying that uh, uh, Fire and Ice had it was a uh, yard sale. Every time somebody, because back in those days, you 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 drove your vehicle. I bet you fifty percent of the people drove their vehicle to the events. Right. Had their stuff in the back of the rig, and it would roll, and all their crap just goes across the course. <laughs> Yard sale. Yep, yard sale. <laughs> well, that's how that's you know how the 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 little hill there in Moab got its name, Potato Salad Hill. Yep, and then everybody everybody would help pick up stuff. I mean, for participants and 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 spectators alike, you know, because it wasn't really again we didn't have the jersey barrier. We really didn't have that much in the way of flags. I mean, people just people had the common sense to get the hell out of the way, you know. But now the, the, the as as you well know. Uh, now the uh, attorneys and the insurance companies and counties and everybody else want to say you got to do this, you got to do that, and it's and you, and you can't even put an event on near a town anymore because there's no property near a town that can have an event or will take a risk of having such event on their property. Very true. You know, we used to use Snow Canyon. We used to use out by the what is now the new airport in St. George. Um, we used to use Rocky Mountain Raceway. That was really great. That was right in the middle of the city. Yeah. You know, well, on the west side. But, you know, we set up a course and we left it there. And we could use it the next year. And, and again, you know, progress. They've That's all. That that drag strip is gone. Yeah, the young, the young sold that to be, uh, and it's now a subdivision out there. I mean, it's just, ah, progress. Progress. I'm waiting for the first electric rock buggy to show up. Um, actually, we had that back in the early 2000s. Tony K, really? Tony Kasabasic had uh, an electric uh, uh, unlimited car. He campaigned campaigned it with us in uh, back. I think it was might have been back in the Cal Rock days. In fact, before 2005. But um, in, anyway, it was around that time. And then he also. Uh, I think it was the same buggy that he won one of the uh oh the the event that was in um uh, Wendover. Wendover. Yeah, he there was a Wendover. Uh, there was a rock crawling event there that uh he actually won and I think it was it might have been in the electric buggy. Huh, I'll be darned. I've seen I know uh Utah Valley University, uh their automotive team put an electric one together, but I don't think they've ever competed it. But it was pretty nice looking. I, I know I saw it at SEMA. Okay. And I know right now there's probably five or six being built um, in various parts of the country. In fact, my uh, partner in We Rock, Jake Good, they're, him and Caleb, his son, are building an electric buggy right now for Caleb to compete in. So be interesting. It'll, it will be interesting to see how they, how they do. Instant torque. What else about those first early years at uh, at UROC? Well, you know, just the the great people I got to work with. I mean, like Craig Stubb, uh, you, uh, Ranch, uh, the Pades, uh, and then all the competitors. I mean, I, I, I could probably spend the rest of the day talking about all the great competitors. I mean, like Bart Jacobs. You remember Bart Jacobs? Absolutely. Uh, wonderful guy. And, and a lot of these guys in New York, uh, I had known through the Utah four wheel drive association because we used to put on, you know, quarterly trail rides together. 
and guys like him would show up. Brett Davis, uh, Creighton King. I mean, he, he competed in the early days uh, before he became Mr. Maxis. Just, oh my gosh. And Tony, uh, Jesse, uh, just, yeah, my gosh. And all wonderful, wonderful people. And the, and the great sponsors we had back then, too. Right. I remember, yeah, I remember one time I said BFG in front of uh, Jeff Cummings. And he, he lit me up for saying BFG. It's BF Goodrich. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Get that straight. I said, okay. <laughs> well, that's awesome. <laughs> Another time, I just asked him, I said, you know, back in the, you, you remember the Toyo models? Right. How, how could we ever forget the Toyo models? And I, I said, Jeff, I said, how come you don't have models? He says, I don't need no blankety blank, 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 blank models to sell my tires. I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, and then we had uh, oh, Jeff Cummings. He was he was absolutely a wonderful guy. He he well, he still is. I mean, he's a wonderful guy. Uh, you know, the sponsors we had uh, kind of a grumpy old cat though. Uh, he can be grumpy, but he can be a lot of fun too. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm giving him heck because I know he listens to the podcast, <laughs> and I'm going to be seeing him here in about two weeks. So um, I'm going to have to make sure that he he listens to this one. <laughs> <laughs> the uh yeah i can remember some you know great times afterwards after the event everybody's sitting around having a beer uh kenny bringing some uh special stuff from back east apple pie yep <laughs> uh and uh you know just all the, all the local folks that would come out and stuff and and good times uh, sponsors like uh, uh, Skyjacker, Lonnie McGurry. Uh, yep, yep, and they still a uh, Skyjacker still owned by the same family. Uh, the Currys, another great one. Uh, we still got Craig, Craig out there. Uh, uh, Greg out there uh, doing uh, Milky, doing uh, Raceline wheels. Yep. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, and all the all the great sayings. Oh, Tom Woods, custom drive shafts. My shafts are Woody. Is yours? <laughs> <laughs> and his. I used to work right next door to his shop uh, uh, for uh, the government. Okay. Well, the the Anheuser, the uh, local Budweiser distributor was between us, but I mean, we were both out there, and you know, and it's good to see some of the families. Uh, you know, having some of the companies. Taken over by family. I mean, so many of them we have lost recently to, you know, family doesn't want to run the business or they just get an offer that's too good to be true. And uh, the, the businesses go off into some big corporate mess. Yeah, that's the perfect way of putting it, too. But yeah. I don't blame the guys that have that have built oh, their no. business and, and then, no. you know, to take the buyout and, and move on because, you know, it's... Uh, not necessarily something that the kids want to take over. Um, and, you know, you, you know, sometimes those offers are, uh, are life-changing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes there's situations going on in people's lives where it, it really is a good time for them to make a move. Right. 
you know, and, uh, yeah, it's, that's, that's, that's sad. And then, you know, like at events like EJS, what once was five different booths is now one small booth representing those five businesses. Right. You know, and then, uh, you know, then they get a lot more pickier too with their budgets and, you know, how they're going to support things like land use, you know, for raffles and stuff like that. And Lord have mercy if a if a major company made a cash donation to land use. I mean, that's just like that's just taboo, I think. <laughs> well, I think it's I I think that's happening across the board, even with you know, um with advertising and everything else. I mean, there's yep. so much stuff has been turned into uh into the, the you know, the social media side of things that uh you know, where everything is a click or a view, not necessarily, you know, it counted as ROI in dollars. Um, it's more like, well, you know, if, it, if somebody's looking at it, then they're going to, they're going to eventually buy it. And yeah. I, I think that, uh, I don't always think that that's the case, but you know, Hey, that's not my place to say, um, I don't own one of those businesses. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, as president of U4, it's it's difficult to, and also as a member of the uh, Blue Ribbon Coalition, it's hard to get corporations to donate. Um, I have been very lucky, very lucky with uh, having BF Goodrich as a sponsor for the Utah Four Wheel Drive Association, along with uh, Warren Winch, uh, Factor Fifty Five now, uh, as as uh, sp- major sponsors. Uh, so we can give away great product at uh, our raffles. And that's basically where I make all my money for the Utah Four-Wheel Drive Association is raffles and in uh, organizations like uh, the Desert Rats, which is the winter 4x4 Jamboree, uh, make a big donation to the Utah Four-Wheel Drive Association every year. And uh, through good work like that, I mean, you know, the the Desert Rats, if you're familiar with Sand Hollow, uh, you would kind of park try to park your vehicles, your truck and trailer up by the water tanks. Well, the desert rats, uh, got grants and we've raised money and everything else. And Utah four wheel drive association donated and upla donated. And, and uh, we now have a paved road up to the water tanks so that people can get their vehicles up there safely, easily and, uh, unloading and hit the trail. You know, sand hollow. When I first started wheeling, that was when I lived down, you know, in the, mid nineties, mid to late nineties. And I lived in Cedar city. We would go down there and wheel for the sand dunes, not for the rocks. Cause we had, we had three peaks, you know, and we had, right. you know, right. all those, that area out in, the, you know, in that area, but we'd go down to sand hollow and we would have to park across the street from Walmart and, yep. and then wheel in, there was no roads. There was nothing out there. There was no water tank. There was no, no lake. There was n- absolutely nothing out there. Um, and man, that has all changed. <laughs> and and in the land use community, we have had a fight very heavily to keep uh, that area from being developed. We had uh, a great big problem where some BLM land was being. Uh, they wanted to trade BLM land for this guy who they had said, well, you can't use this land for what you wanted to use it for because it's a turtle habitat area now. 
And although you want it, we're saying it's a turtle habitat area. So they wanted to give a big chunk of uh, right there, the face looking down at uh, the uh, at the lake, at the reservoir up there, uh, to this guy to do a land swap. And we fought that tooth and nail. And with help from the county, they said we weren't going to, uh, you know, issue permits for the land. And uh, we had uh, the city of Hurricane say we're not issuing any permits for that area for water or sewer or anything like that. So you can trade for that land, I guess, but you're not going to be able to use it. And the next problem would have been if they had gone through with that, if they had gone through it, you got to look at it. You got to look at the entire picture. And the next thing would have been, well, okay, so we can wheel all around this area. We just can't wheel in this area because there's houses in there. And they were going to put like million dollar homes on this, on the side of this hill. And so it would have been million dollar homes. And the next thing they would have been complaining about would be the dust that we're raising out in the play areas. Well, yeah, because there are play areas and we raise dust. You know what? I've, so, I've seen that area blow through there, the haboobs or whatever you want to call them. It looks like the Middle East, you know? I mean, yep. at the end of every event that I've ever done in that area, you know, it seems like there's always a windy day um, during an event. And, you know, you can't even see 20 feet, w- whether it's part of that, that area or not, you know? it's yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's crazy what what development is has been going on and and losing and land to that. I had actually put out to him that uh, if he won and got that land, that I would tie it up and I would have, be sure to tie it up in court so he couldn't get a permit for it and so long that his grandchildren wouldn't be able to use it. Now I don't know if, if that helped her in any way, shape or form, but I was ready. I we had we had the we have the funds and we had the power that we were going to not let this happen, but we got really lucky on that one. Some we don't get so lucky on. Right. Uh, we got lucky on that one that the city and the county uh, both backed us on it, and uh, so it it turned out it turned out pretty good. The next one that we have going on down there is the at the west side. They want to put in a reservoir, and uh, is that going to be like on the side of the, the west side of of the? Um golf course going up that canyon then yes okay. i believe that's the area yes so that's 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 going to happen that is going to happen i mean we have to have water down there and the area is growing and we can't stop that kind of project but we're trying to make darn sure that nobody sells and anybody gets their hands on any of the property around it and puts houses on it for people to live on right camping area okay but building building houses no no, 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 no. Yeah, especially if they put that reservoir in and to the east side of it, where all the the um, all the activity goes on now for off road. Right. I think we figured we would lose about two or three parts of a trail down there uh, of trails down there with this uh, reservoir going in. But again, it, it's got to be done. You, you've you know somebody's got to lose in this situation and. For most people, that land is, you know, not not usable for them. Right. It's only us crazies. True. So it is it is what it is, and, and we got to fight that. But th- then you've got – we have a very interesting developing thing out at uh, – I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Five Mile Pass up here. No, I, I've heard of it, there, but I don't, I'm not real familiar with it. 
Oh, we got to get you wheeling out there sometime. And it's on the, uh, it's, it's out in Tooele County. It's, uh, west of Lehigh, uh, Utah. And, uh, the, there's 740 acres that this is owned and this, it's an off-road recreational area. And it's, uh, it's spotted by all kinds of things. BLM owns most of it, uh, but there's private party interest in it. There is uh, commercial interest in it. Uh, you know, little, different plots of land everywhere. And on the north side, there is 740 acres for sale right now, or 714 acres. Anyway, 700 plus acres of, of it is for sale. And the guy wants, the, the company, I guess, is the one that bought uh, Miller Motorsports Park, owns that property right now. And they want to sell it off. And they're asking $2.4 million for it with no water rights and no. And we're sitting there going, well, there's trails going through. Do these people not realize that there is roads going through this property and that we have a legal easement to, that we're using through there? And everybody's looking at each other like, well, we don't know what's going on. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, some people were saying it'd be a nice place for a KOA. And I'm like, out here? <laughs> to me, I thought it was a little crazy, but you know, I, I think two point four million dollars for that seven hundred acres is is absolutely insane. But you it, know, I guess it, I'm, especially with, if you've got you know no mineral rights or water rights on it, no mineral rights, no water rights, no rights except that you got a place to park. <laughs> Interesting. And and the property lines I use uh, the ox. Mapping system. Right. Onyx, yeah. Onyx, yeah. And it goes, it shows me that the property line goes right down the middle of the parking lot that we use right now for the snakes out there, which is, it's a big, you know, big trail that we use. And we drive through part of the property going out that way. And I'm like, well, this is going to be interesting. There's somebody who decides to fence off this parking lot. So, you know, land use is a, land use is a fickle, fickle thing. Nobody likes to talk about it. I mean, it is, it is. You you want to get people to run away? Hopefully they're not turning off your podcast. Um, <laughs> you you want to get people to run away? Start talking about land use and donations, and what it costs. Because land use isn't just about going out and cleaning up a trail. It is about legal cases. You, we have organizations that have assets in the millions and millions of dollars that do nothing but go out and create lawsuits because that's their job. That is what they're paid to do. And yes, I'm talking about SUA right here in Utah. That's my biggest, my biggest problem child is SUA. And you, 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 when you're up against somebody who like that, who has millions of dollars in assets, millions and millions of dollars in donations. And then if they win a, a lawsuit, they turn around and get the money that they spent. And I'm sure, well, I'm not going to talk about what they charge per hour, but uh, they get all that money back if they win their case. So if they spent $250,000 or $350,000 or a half a million dollars, the government then has to pay them. Right. And that's how these people make their money. That's how they, that's how they, that's how they survive. And that's how, you know, and, and, and people are like, oh, save those spotted Houdini owl that nobody can seem to find. Uh, 
you know, oh, that sounds great. Hey, we want to save this trail. Nobody cares. Except for us. Except for us. And we only have so much money. General Motors ain't backing us. Ford ain't backing us. Well, Ford's backing us a little bit. You know, and, but it, it would be nice, you know, if, if they would back us and help us keep public lands public. 67% of Utah is public lands. 95% of Nevada is public lands. Right. And then you go to some place like Texas where no public lands. No, no public no. lands. Yeah. 2%. Yeah. Yeah. You you go you go. I'm going to say west, east of Colorado, and you got no public lands, really to speak of. I mean, yeah, one percent, two percent, a state park. I mean, I, I've I, you know, never would have thought of such a thing back in in my days in St. Louis. You know, and there's a lot of great wheelers now coming out of out of out of St. Louis. You know, I met some really great folks coming out here to safari and stuff like that. They got a, they got to truck all the way across country to come out and play and play and have fun in an unlimited basis. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, you know, make a donation to BRC today. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that, that one of the, one of the biggest failures right now is the UTV companies, power sports companies. Oh God. Yes. That I are, forgot about those. That, that they're, they're, you know, <laughs> they're creating a vehicle that, basically can race around on, and I mean, not just go out and drive, but race around on, on any kind of terrain. And, but they sell so many of them. I mean, they sell everything that they make, so they don't feel that they need to protect it. They don't need to throw money into the, into land use or any kind of organization because they, they don't need the, the say, they don't need the advertising. Right. They don't, they don't, they, they, that's, and they, and the scary part is anybody, anybody can, uh, you know, go out and buy, go out and spend, you know, sign on the line $30,000 for a, for a very comparable, a very competent, you know, buggy. Yes. And go out and play. I mean, and oh, I got good credit. I got the $40,000 one. Oh my God. You know, at least at least with a Rubicon, you could drive the dang thing to work. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> or a Bronco. You know. <laughs> let's let's not be let's not be, you know, picky. Broncos matter too. Absolutely. And then Toyotas. And the Toyotas. And the Suzuki's. Do they even make and Suzuki's me? anymore? Um, they do, but not in this country. They don't import them to this country. Right. Suzuki went out of business. And uh, after the great Suzuki of North America went out of business, I want to say it was like 12 or 13. Okay. Stuck, stuck, uh, stuck people with about $500 million in bills. Ooh. Yeah, that was a big, that was a big bankruptcy, but it was just Suzuki of North America. And I, I drive a Suzuki still, I drive a Suzuki X90. Fat man in a little car. <laughs> So what's on the plate? What are you? What are? You, what else are you doing? You're working. Well, I'm working, and uh, I'm on a new plan here at work. Um, it's called nine twelve three. Okay. Maybe they piss me off bad enough by nine o'clock in the morning. I'll put my retirement paperwork in at noon, and I'm out the door at three. <laughs> and where are you working? 
Uh, let's just say I work for the federal government. Okay. Yes. That's what I thought. All right. Again, we don't want people to tune out of your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or lose and friends. I don't want to lose friends. I want people to still come up and talk to me at events. You know. <laughs> Are you still doing anything with the dealerships? Uh, no, because the dealership I worked for, which was a family-owned dealership, sold out to a corporation. Ah. Uh. That, that was kind of sad. I, I've got a, and I've got a few friends still working in in management positions within the dealership community, and I I still occasionally you know will set somebody up with a good deal on a on a Rubicon or a Gladiator and and uh, stuff like that. And I they still call me up. Hey, I got something that's right up your alley. I, I get some of the call. I I I work also with a group called the Utah Off Road Recovery Team. Okay, I helped form that up and. Uh, because uh, me and like Brett Davis been doing recoveries here in Utah that other people can't do for for like way before there was YouTube. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everybody's become a YouTube star. Everybody's a YouTube recovery expert now, right? And uh, and there's some really good ones out there. Uh, but the uh, we we formed the the off road recovery team, and what we do is we volunteer volunteer and go out and do recoveries. Uh, that other other people won't do, and I took my power wagon up and in, uh, up into uh, the Wasatch Front to do a recovery. And <laughs> you know, have you ever gone down a trail and it starts getting narrower and narrower and narrower, and you're like, "Oh shit!" Oh yeah. Well, I got into. I a, did it with oh, a trailer. Shit. Yeah, and I I did nineteen thousand dollars worth of body damage to my power wagon. Oh wow. So my insurance agent is still talking to me. (laughs) Amazing. And it gave me a chance to do some different stuff to it. Uh, I've, I took the, the factory flyers got messed up on both, on both sides. So I, I put uh, now the nice two inch pocket flares from uh, Bushwhacker onto it and, uh, and uh, redid all the decals down the side and everything. So it looks, it looks really good. It looks really good, but (laughs) it's just, $19,000 $19,000 worth of body damage. And this was the insurance company. My, This was the body shop. My insurance company said, take it to this company. They'll take care of you. I said, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my experience, I was doing the Arizona Peace Trail and had the, the Raptor and then had my adventure trailer that Rob Philandro built um, behind me. And the, it that trailer tracks so nice. Um, I can go through like all the, anybody's drive through, you know, even like Starbucks where they're really tight and it tracks with inside the wheelbase of the pickup. And so going up the road was fine and it's uphill, you know, steep embankment up on one side, you know, cliff embankment on the other side going down. And I get about a mile and a half up this road and there's a washout. And I'm looking at it going, you know, if I, if I just bomb through this, I can probably make it across, you know, give myself a 65% chance I can make it across <laughs> if I didn't have the trailer. Because all I could see was the trailer just sloughing off and pulling the back end of the, the Raptor around, right? So right. I look at my options and I'm thinking, okay, I can't just turn down the 
the embankment and drive down this cliff. I can't go around this because it's a cliff on the left-hand side going straight up. So I start to back down. Now I got to back down. I, I had to back down probably a quarter of a mile until I found a spot where I thought I could go turn right and just off the embankment and make it to the bottom into a wash and then drive, you know, go back around and find a different road. Yeah. And that's what I ended up doing. But my Lord, it was uh, <laughs> no body damage, but there was uh, there was some hairy moments. I can remember Shelly going, what can I do to help you? And I said, close your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Take a deep breath, yeah. close your eyes. <laughs> the, the problem with the power wagon, it's so powerful that I wasn't feeling hitting anything. I never felt a single twig hit the side of that vehicle, let alone the tree, the tree stump that hit it. <laughs> Good fun stuff. That's awesome. But yeah, so I just got to be a little more careful with the recoveries I, I go out on. I hate the salt lake and the uh, salt flats. I, I won't go out on those two. I don't like Whereas, anything with mud. I think that people, if, if people get stuck in the mud, that uh, that they can just stay there. <laughs> well, unfortunately, in Utah, we have wonderful people who just make wrong choices in life. <laughs> and they end up out there at Dell in the mud flats. Or we, We've helped a couple of commercial companies. Uh, we've helped, uh, you know, with... with with stuff and uh, we've helped uh, a lot of uh you know people with have just gone out and oops it looks it look and i'll tell you what i've been out there too myself that stuff looks solid as a rock and you put weight on it doesn't feel bad but as soon as you spin a tire it goes right through that crust and down into the muck and you're gone so we've we've got long long toe straps and winching straps to uh pull people out and uh we have lots of mat tracks. And uh, in fact, the Utah Four-Wheel Drive Association is now sponsored by uh, mat tracks, and we appreciate their sponsorship. But the, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, unfortunately, people go out there. They had a big concert out there, and it rained. <laughs> I mean, it, it's some funny stuff to watch. But some, And some of these people take motorhomes out there, and just and they just go sink right down it's just it's it's uh i hate to say funny but yeah it's funny <laughs> and so, uh so caravans yeah, car <laughs> <laughs> so what's the uh what was the 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 one event in your long illustrious career as announcer that uh and and don't don't pick one that you did for me just because I'm you're I'm interviewing you. But what was the one event that you that you really liked the whole atmosphere or whatever and what was that event? Well, it was the truck and tractor knock. <laughs> okay. No, um gosh. All all the events have always been great. I mean, we've Every event has always had a, a has, have had a good feel, a, a good aurora to them, uh, and I've always always had fun. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. 
See, that's that's one thing I've never ever announced for the money. I've only done it because I've had fun doing it with the folks that are out there, working with great folks, making family memories uh, with me and my wife. Uh, you know, spectators coming out there making family memories. The teams out there, and 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 the teams were all family, and uh, you know, working, you know, helping teams. I remember uh, Becca Webster. Yep, we were down at St. George, same spot. Her son, and this was like I was like my third event, third or fourth event, maybe. Her son fell, split his head wide open and there was kind of a panic you know well you know how family is i mean you know oh my gosh and their trailer was blocked in there was no way to get their truck out i just tossed them the keys to my new truck here you go see you when you get back i mean that's the kind of stuff we do for each other um you know i've had plenty of people help me out in the past uh, and it, it's always been a fun and a great atmosphere where we would all help, you know, each other out. I've, I've seen sponsors help other sponsors out. Um, and the funniest one was when it rained down in Phoenix at the uh, Firebird Raceway. All right. And so <laughs> it was a very memorable event for me because. First off, it was like 117 degrees, and I'm asking the Pates and Ranch, are you guys trying to kill the fat man? What are you doing here? It was 117 starting that event off in the afternoon, and all these Phoenix people are like, it's a nice day out. And I'm like, you're out of your bloody minds. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like two minutes. My clothes have changed colors. I've got so much sweat on me. Anyway, I'm not built for that place. <laughs> <laughs> And so, and so it started raining when we got done about 11 o'clock at night, two o'clock the next day, it hadn't stopped raining. And I mean, it was where we used to do it was out there at the, at the old uh, site where they had the, uh, they used to do the concerts before the concert stage burned down right? or burned up and got all messed up. And it was a big bowl. <laughs> So I go out to pick up all the sound equipment because we're like, well, this ain't going to work. We're just going to have to call it. And uh, so they called it. and I go out to pick out the equipment. And my brand spanking new truck slid backwards right into an obstacle. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, I know. But it was good. I mean, you know, good fun. I was having a blast blowing through the sand out there, having getting, you know, you know, trying to get everything all picked up and get it out of there. We had to hook up... Uh, Gosh, a big old, big, huge bucket loader onto uh, uh, Creighton's rig to get his big old back then. Then we had that great, big, huge Class C toter. Yep. And uh, that beautiful Max's mobile. And uh, we had to hook up. We had to hook up a strap to that to pull him out of there. I mean, that place was, and everybody was pulling everybody. I mean, it was, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. And starting there back then, they starting off with the uh, that's back when we started with the cranes. Remember the big old forklifts, right? The all train, and we happened to flip one. But uh, you know, all the good fun we've had back in those days. So and it was it was great, great family stuff. 
So what are you still doing? And what events, what events are you still um, you know, there's, helping with? There's, there's so little around here anymore. Um, mostly what I do is I work on, on the, with the Utah four wheel drive association these days, I'm, I've been having some physical problems. Uh, I was in the ER four times for my heart in uh, January. Oh, wow. I had heart surgery in February, April. I got COVID for the first time. And, uh, it was pretty smooth sailing. And, uh, then, uh, but I've had some lung issues going on since then. So I've, I've been doing a little bit of here and there when uh, people ask for some help, I give them help and, uh, but mostly working on, uh, public lands and, uh, and, uh, the events like, uh, the winter four by four Jamboree trail hero, uh, getting us ready for, uh, Easter Jeep Safari, uh, land use is land use is a, is a 24 seven. We have a person at BRC. Please go to BRC.com, uh, who does nothing but watch federal sites for um, comment periods. Because if you don't put in a comment, you get nothing. Uh, you can't say anything after the fact. If you put a comment in and you don't like the way they finally decide on something, you can then sue them. But if you do not put a comment in, you have no leg to stand on to sue them because you never said that you didn't like something to begin with. So I got just took that all over the place on you, didn't I? Right. Uh, and then, uh, but fun events. Oh my gosh, just so so many of them, and it, it's it's great to you know help out people like at at the winter four by four jamboree. I do red, I do the late registrations. And uh, fixing stuff. And that's what I do at work. I fix stuff. People come in and go, oh, I'm not on the same trail as my, me and my buddies. And I thought we were all going to be on the same trail together. And I thought I signed up. Is there any space left? Now you're asking? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> sign up early, folks. And sign up. Make sure. Make sure for these events that you all sign up for the same thing. And so that's what I do is I try to get people on the same trail. Somebody else might say, oh, I don't want this trail. I want to go on that trail. So I got an open spot here so now I can move you over here and, uh, you know, and stuff like that. So, you know, and then, then people come up and say, well, I've got 10 people to go on a trail today. What do you got? Are you out of your mind? <laughs> yeah, you can get hit the drive through at Jack in the Box. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know. <laughs> Do we have drug testing over at table three, please? Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then I, God bless this one guy. He's, a, he's, a, he's in one of the clubs here in Utah. He comes up to me and goes, Sarge, you, you, you put me on that trail and it was, it was too much for me. And I'm, I'm looking at him like, what? And he says, yeah. And he's shaking. He's still shaking. And I'm like, okay, let me look what I put you on. Like, I put you on a four and you're driving a Rubicon. What was wrong with the trail? Oh, that was just, that was, that was too much trail. Okay. Okay. So I, I moved him down to a three for the next day and he was very happy, you know? And then some people are like, you think you could have put me on an easier trail? Huh? Huh? <laughs> it's like, well, no, like you I didn't even get this? out of the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, how many have had that problem? Yeah. <laughs> oh, then they can't get out of the parking lot. They want their money back. Right. Yeah. 
or it says in great big letters, no refunds. <laughs> exactly. Because by then all the work's done. Sorry. Yeah, it's all the work's done. Everything's paid for. I'm sorry that, you know. <laughs> now, now there was, there's been a couple where I've, I've made exceptions. Like, you know, you fell and broke your leg, and I actually know that you did fall, and I actually do know that you did break your leg. All right, that's, that's a family emergency and stuff like that. And I think during COVID, we gave back, you know, we gave that back and stuff like that. Right. Then uh, we, we had a big joke going around with a couple of us down there at Easter Jeep Safari one year where uh, they wouldn't let us put on the event because of COVID, but you could have a funeral and you could have a wedding. Right. Well, I happen to be a representative of the Weber County Clerk's Office. You look on the Weber County Clerk's Office on who can perform wedding ceremonies. I'm your guy. And uh, uh, so we were making a joke that we were going to have a big wedding down in Moab, <laughs> invite everybody, and just put on trifles. For seven days or ten days. Seven, <laughs> seven day wedding ceremony. You know, either, either that or, you know, I've got a cargo glide in the back of my pickup truck. And the other thing we were joking about doing, well, we could have a funeral. Well, did you know that you can buy a casket off of Amazon? Oh, I don't doubt it. You can get anything off of Amazon. You can. You can. You can get a casket. And you can get one for like 700 bucks. I was thinking, you know, if we put a casket in the back of my truck and slide the bed out all the way, okay, and drive around and say we're having a funeral all week, we could have a big wake <laughs> and go out and do trails. <laughs> And well, of course, get, we couldn't get away with that. And no. My wife got a little mad about the, the wedding thing. And uh, <laughs> now you're talking about events. I got to tell you this. I did a wedding on a trail in Price, Utah. Really? Yep. It was it was really cool. Uh, I got invited to come down to Price. And I, I don't want to do the same. You know, I don't like to go to a wedding chapel and, and do a wedding. I'm not, I'm not your guy for that. I want to do weddings in the middle of nowhere, Utah, on a trail, you know, seven mile rim. I don't care. Dead Horse Point, Schaefer's Trail, somewhere, you know, at destination. Um, Elephant Hill would be a great one. But uh, and people have had weddings out there. And anyway, I got invited down to down to Price, Utah, to do a wedding for uh, Jen and her husband and Brian. And uh, we did it out on a trail with a whole. We had a whole bunch of jeeps lined up behind me, behind us. Uh, and uh, and we and we did it out there on the trail. I thought that was really cool. And then had a little reception back at the house. And uh, and uh, that was that was really that was that was really really fun to do and memorable. Uh, yep. Because everybody's having a good time. Yep, everybody's having a good time. And, you know, I can't even think of any off-roading event, demolition derby, uh, rock crawl, tractor pull, mud bog, where everybody hasn't had a good time. I mean, that's that's just that's just fun stuff. Uh, I did get to perform in the Delta Center one time with my Ram Charger, one of my Ram Chargers. Oh, that really? was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Tough we truck. did. A, we, uh, I was tough truck, and we did a mud bog down the middle. Nice, uh, a single lane mud pit, and I blew an engine. But it was time for a new one anyway. That's why I did it. <laughs> and uh, built a custom three hundred and sixty for that thing. It was really fun. Anyway, but the uh, 
But yeah, all the events, you know, it's it's always good how we've all treated each other. And that's that's the important thing. And that's that's what that's what family and fun is all about. And getting out there and doing the sports. I mean, you know, there's you know, people who complain about their their team and their job, you know, and and stuff like that. I mean, nah, you know, and, and you might not like your job, but I'll tell you what, I have never thought of it when I was out there with you guys as a job. I was out there having fun, uh, helping families make memories. And that to me has always been a, a very important thing is to take care of families and take care of friends and take care of my family. Right. Absolutely. Well, on that note, Matt, I'd like to say thank you so much for, for spending the time and talking about all the things that you've done and, and your history and, I really appreciate your friendship over the years. I really appreciate you and your wife and uh, your family and all the great times we have had together. And everybody who's listening, who uh, who know me, I, I hope we've all had a great time together. And I uh, look forward to breaking bread. Absolutely. And uh, you take care and uh, go ahead and go back to work. And uh, we won't mention where you're working. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, my friend. All right. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, that's another episode of Conversations with Big Rich. I'd like to thank you all for listening. If you could do us a favor and uh, leave us a review on any podcast service that you happen to be listening on, or send us an email or a text message or a Facebook message, and let me know uh, any ideas that you have, or if there's anybody that you have that you think would be a great guest please forward the contact information to me so that we can uh, try to get them on. And always remember, live life to the fullest. Enjoying life is a must. Follow your dreams and live life with all the gusto you can. Thank you.